You can't hunger for God and cultivate an appetite for evil at the same time. It just won't happen. And some of us are not growing in our walking relationship with God because we won't make decisions about the junk that's inside of our hearts and lives. Welcome to Living a Legacy, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Crawford Lorenz. Have you ever thought about how holiness could be part of your identity? Not just looking holy or acting holy, but it's part of who you are. Well, that's our theme today as Crawford continues in his series, Navigating Life's Challenges. We are studying the book of 1 Peter. Peter wrote to Christians who were facing a great deal of persecution. Their lives were not easy. And yet Peter is writing about holiness. What's the connection? Well, stay with us today as Crawford leads us through this study. The messages we feature on Living a Legacy come from Crawford's 15 years as senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church of Roswell, Georgia. Now in retirement, Crawford heads Beyond Our Generation, a ministry leadership mentoring program. His books include Make It Home Before Dark, Unshaken, and one he co-authored with his wife Karen called Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow. Well, let's jump more into this topic of holiness and see how Peter describes this as part of our identity. Let's head to 1 Peter chapter 2. Now, if you missed out on some of the messages so far in this series, you can get caught up on our website. I'll tell you more at the end of today's program. Here's Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy. We're taking a look at the book of 1 Peter because 1 Peter is, is, uh, really hits us where we are. You think about all the tragedies and suffering that's going on in the world. Uh, many Christians are hit with these same things, uh, uh, and uh, they're suffering not because they did something wrong, not because they sinned, not because they messed up, not because they made wrong choices, none of that. It's just their time to suffer. And as I began this series, I reminded all of us that suffering is a privilege and a gift from the Lord Jesus. I'll say that again. Suffering is a privilege and a gift from the Lord Jesus. Now, to be sure, nobody likes to suffer. We shouldn't ask for it. But it is the sign and signature of our identification with Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. He talked about us picking up our cross and following him. Uh, we don't talk about that in this American rebranding of Christianity. Uh, because we think that if we make right choices and we make right decisions, then I deserve to be treated, you know, hey, if I, I did right, so bad things shouldn't happen to me, right? No, wrong. God is more concerned about our godliness than he is about our comfort. And he's more concerned about his witness in and through our lives. So no, no other than the Apostle Paul himself said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, while he's in jail suffering, he says, to you it has been given on behalf of Christ not only to believe in his name, but also to suffer for his sake. We come to 1 Peter, and the whole theme of this book is about suffering. It's about suffering. These are exiles. They've been extracted from Jerusalem. They've been uprooted and scattered throughout the five provinces of Rome. And these, you know, the Roman government, they were coming after them because these Christians posed a threat. They didn't worship Caesar. <laughs> uh, they were sort of weird. They worshiped Jesus. And Jesus is intimidating. And by the way, parenthetically, Jesus is always intimidating. 
Jesus is always demanding. Jesus always requires a decision. And it's true today. So these people are scattered throughout these five provinces. And how do they survive? You know, let's keep it real. They have had to run from home and family and friends and uh, jobs. And many of them, as we'll see next week, had become indentured servants or slaves. So they've stepped into suffering. And Peter tells them how to survive. You know, it's interesting to me, as you read the book of 1 Peter, you'll notice that Peter spends an awful lot of time talking about holiness to people who are suffering. It's interesting. He spent a chunk of time in the first chapter there talking about holiness, what holiness produces, and he reminds them, hey, 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 the command, be holy as I am holy, is not only a command, there's a tacit promise in there because we're related to him and the power to be holy is lodged in him and he will do that in our lives. And now we come to this next section in, in chapter 2, verses 1 through uh, 12, where Peter is also talking about another side of holiness. He talked about what holiness produces in us, and now he underscores holiness as our identity. This is very interesting. Anyone who has been involved in campus ministry, ministering to college students, will tell you this. This is across the board, whether it's InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, the Navigators, crew, uh, uh, you know, uh, campus outreach, all of them, they, they will all tell you the same thing. And it's, 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 it's a pretty standard deal. And that is, for entering freshmen, for entering freshmen, freshmen who show up on campus, for entering freshmen, the first 72 hours is absolutely crucial. For it's during that time that uh, they're making some important decisions that may, may set the trajectory of their lives for good or bad for the rest of these four years. It all happens in the first 72 hours. They're deciding, first of all, you know, um, 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 how, how am I going to handle this newfound freedom? How am I going to handle it? You know, my stuff's in my dorm room, and mama and them, they're 200 miles away. How am I going to handle this newfound freedom? Uh, decisions about, well, you know, uh, um, uh, who am I going to associate with? I'm not in my environment, so who am I going to hang out with? What am I going to do about that? Uh, what voices am I going to listen to? Now, I know I went to Christian school, and I know what they taught me, and I know, you know, I was homeschooled. I know the framework there, and I know what we talked about in family devotions, this kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, obedience is not genetic. <laughs> you know, you, you, it ain't genetic, man. Uh, you, you don't pass on a will to obey. And so they're, they're there, they say, well, well who, who am I going to hang out with? Who am I going to listen to? And, you know, and the, the other ouchy question is, well, if I screw up and nobody tells me, who's going to know? So that's rolling around in their head in the first 72 hours and also some other things. And you know, <laughs> who we are should not be affected by where we are. Did you hear that? Who we are should not be affected by where we are, just the opposite. The Bible teaches that who we are should affect 
where we are and not the other way around. And this is the point that Peter is driving at as he talks about holiness, both last week in chapter 1, but as we step into chapter 2 here, his message to these exiles is, hey, careful, careful, careful. I know you're away from home. I know you're away from the, you know, the church of Jerusalem there and all that was going on, all the excitement that's there, all of the, all the great leaders that were there and, you know, all the great small groups and all of the great input and all of that stuff. You're in that context. It was dynamic. It was wonderful and you enjoyed all of that your favorite apostles were preaching and you got it but now you're scattered and you don't have it Peter said hold, hold, hold up now you better be careful the temptation is freshman to allow where you are to rebrand you to affect another identity to walk away from that which is solid. And Peter has this in his mind. His concern for these believers under persecution is that they would get discouraged and um, throw away the essence of who they really are. Their holiness and godliness should be a constant, even though their circumstances and unpredictable nature of life is just all around them. And Peter says, no, no. Your environment is unstable, but don't you become unstable. Did you hear that? Just because your environment is unstable doesn't mean that you become unstable. So he says, I want to remind you I want to remind you that, 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 that holiness doesn't just produce something in you. Holiness springs out of who you are. And in doing that, he gives four pictures, four portraits of who we are. And he reminds us of who we are. And let me give you the four portraits and we'll put some meat on the skeleton. He says, number one, we're infants. We're infants. We are infants. Number two, I'll explain this in a second, he sort of mixes the metaphor here, that we, we are a living foundation. Number three, he says we are royalty. And fourthly, he says we are sojourners. In each one of those, he says, I just want to remind you who you are. I just want to remind you what you bring to wherever you are. I want to remind you that that defines your environment. And don't let your environment mess with the fact that you're an infant. Don't let your environment mess with the fact that you are a living foundation. Don't let your environment mess with the fact that you are royalty. Don't let your environment mess with the fact that you are a sojourner. And you need to keep that in mind. So Peter is saying, hey, hey, look, look. Suffering should not rattle you. Uncertainty should not rattle you. Adversity should not shake you because you know who you are. 
I, we started this when our kids, I think I shared this with you before, when our kids uh, uh, were young and they went to public school and each time we dropped them off, I would drop them off, had this ritual. They used to get sick of it all the time. They would finish the line, had this ritual with them. I would say, okay, B-boy, and drop them off there at Bear Creek Middle School and in high school, okay, B-boy. he say, yeah, I know, Dad, I remember who I am today, that's right. And yeah, Bear Creek Middle School ought to be different because I'm here, that's right. That is exactly right. Remember who you are today. And wherever you are should be different because you're there and not the other way around. And this is what Peter's saying here. I know you're in Cappadocia. I know you're in Galatia. I know you're in Pontus. I know you're in Bithynia. That ain't your home. The truth of the matter is nothing down here is your home. Remember who you are today. So first of all, he says that we we are infants. We're infants. And by that, what he means, and we'll unpack this, is that we should cultivate an insatiable appetite. In other words, he's saying spiritual longing is your friend. Spiritual longing is your friend. Listen to these words. He says in verse 1, after this discussion in chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 of Chapter 2, he says, So, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. That goes with the argument. He says, Be holy as I am holy. And because of what holiness produces, okay, put this stuff away. He's actually saying, We need to make a decisive break with sin. Get rid of it. Don't play with it. Hate it. Get rid of it. Get rid of your lying. Get rid of your lust, get rid of your gossip, get rid of your jealousy, get rid of your spirit of competition, get rid of it. You say, Crawford, you sound strong. Well, if he says I'm holy, be holy like me, don't play with sin. And I dare say that so many of us have not made up our mind that sin is awful, it is wrong, it is damnable, it is destructive, it is devastating. I didn't say that we're perfect, but we need to be aggressive about it. You can't hunger for God and cultivate an appetite for evil at the same time. It just won't happen. And some of us are not growing in our walk in relationship with God because we won't make decisions about the junk that's inside of our hearts and lives. We want to compartmentalize that, our anger, our tongues, and all of these other things. We won't make decisions about that, and yet we want God to bless us, and we want to understand the Bible, and we want all this to take place. He says, no, 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 no. That doesn't work that way. So first he says, look, be intentional and make a decisive break with sin. Get rid of it. And then he says, but what you need to do, he says, like newborn babes in verse 2, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. He uses the expression like infants, like newborn babes. 
What Peter is saying is that we, he's not saying that we should stay like babies. He, should, he says that we should be like them in the sense that we are dependent for God for our very lives. What he's saying to these Christians in exile and under suffering, he says, God is your source. God is your source. You, you, you always depend on him like a newborn infant that can't take care of themselves. You have got to have a childlike dependence. And not only that, he says we need to cultivate this hunger like newborn infants long for. Long for pure spiritual milk. We ought to be eager for the nourishment of the word as babies are for milk. The real evidence of spiritual maturity has to do with a passion for God's word. Do we long for it? Do we long for God to speak to us? Are we thirsty? Are we passionate about nourishment in our lives? I don't mean to make anyone feel guilty here or, 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 or to push you know, so strongly, but I just got to tell you, as I said the, the other week, that some of this stuff you've got to decide to do. And you won't struggle as much with being consistent in the Word of God until you realize, you come to the point that your life, your life, your life, your life, your life depends on it. And long for this. You know, our, our hunger and appetites drives our behavior. I think that's behind what Peter is saying here. Uh, what we do indicates what we want. If I want to be godly, I long for his word. And what I pursue is an indication of my passion. What I go after is the indication of a core priority. I really want this. I long for, for this. Our newest grandson, number 11, uh, number 11 grandchild, number six grandson, uh, Hendrix. Hendrix is a, he's an absolute sweetheart. He's just, he's amazing. He's five months old. He is so chill. I mean, he sits there and just laughs and smiles and, you know, and I mean, it's just, things could be all, I mean, he's just laid back. However, <laughs> however, I said to Karen, I've never seen a kid flip a switch so fast. He is chilled and laid back, but when he is hungry, you know, some babies, they start whimpering a little bit and get a little fidgety, and it's time to feed them. He don't go through the whimpering stage. <laughs> it's like, he's hungry, one minute he's smiling, the next minute he sees mom, the source of food, and <laughs> And there's no stopping until you feed him. It's unbelievable. Well, this is what he's talking about here. How much do we long for the Lord? How much do we long for his word? And the point of all of this is that we would grow up, verse 2, grow up into salvation. 
Grow up into salvation. Let me put it together. He says, no, decisively deal with sin. Decisively deal with sin. Make up your mind that you hate it. Decisively deal with sin. Cultivate an appetite and a hunger and a passion for his word. Then he says, once you do that, it produces growth unto salvation. Uh, what he's talking about here is spiritual maturity. He's not talking about initial salvation, but he's talking about salvation in his comprehensive sense. That we have been saved, saved and we are being saved. Uh, we, we develop a spiritual maturity that reflects the fact that we belong to Jesus. So he's using salvation in that comprehensive sense, in a maturity sense. Uh, our desires should shift from sin to the pursuit of wholesome spiritual food, which produces growth and maturity. God's word has life, it gives life, and it nourishes life. And some of us need to change our eating habits and acquire new tastes. Peter appeals to them in verse 3, and he says, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. He's actually quoting Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Keep tasting. Keep tasting. Are you hungry? Do you long for his word? Do we long for it? Can we go days, a week or more, without reading the book? and be fine? How's your appetite? So the first picture is that of infants. Just as infants are, are delightfully but helplessly dependent on their mother or their dad. That's the position that we need to have. He's not only my source of food, he's my source of life. The second picture is that we're living foundation. I know it's sort of mixing things here a little bit, but what is he talking about? What Peter is talking about here is that we are, verses 4 through 8, we are a confident movement, a confident movement. What he's basically saying as he describes in these verses uh, uh, the relationship that we have with the cornerstone, the foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ, he's basically saying to, his, to, to, to the followers of Christ, hey I, hey, I know you've been uprooted, and I know things are, are unpredictable right now, and you're going through some hard times, you're going through adversity, but you gotta understand something. You're part of a permanent, a permanent organism. You're part of a permanent structure that is not going to be affected whatsoever. Four portraits that we find in 1 Peter chapter 2. We are infants, we are a living foundation, we are royalty, and we are sojourners. We'll look more at the second one, we are a living foundation, next week in the second part of this message, Holiness as Our Identity. Crawford Loritz is leading us through a series called Navigating Life's Challenges, and we hope you'll remember to join us in the weeks ahead. If you weren't able to hear all of today's message, it's on our website. Look for the past programs link. The other messages so far in the series are there as well. If you'd like to download any of Crawford's messages to your MP3 player, they're available for free. Look for the MP3 link at livingalegacy.org. 
Your emails are important, so take a moment to let us know you're there. Write to legacy at moody.edu, legacy at moody.edu. Thanks for joining us today. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Living a Legacy is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.